The Ruger LC Carbine is the ultimate range companion. Chambered in 5.7x28, is fun to shoot and low recoiling. A folding stock and collapsible sights make it compact. Learn more at Ruger.com. All right, we're back with you. Tom Gresham here. It is Gun Talk. If you want to see more about what we do, go to GunTalk.com. You can check us out uh, pretty much anywhere you get videos. We have, well, actually, I was going to say hundreds. That's not true. We have thousands of videos. We have three TV shows we produce. We've been doing the First Person Defender series for more than 10 years now. Crazy stuff. We've been out there for a long time teaching people about the safe and responsible use of firearms. If you want to join us here, pretty easy, 866-TALK-GUN or call me at TomTalkGun. You know, we've been talking a lot in the last few months about court cases, more so than actually in the last 50 years that I've been covering this. I've never seen the flurry of activity we have had recently. Of course, that's because of the Bruin decision from the Supreme Court. Part of what's going on, and it's going to bring us to our next guest here, is we have states that are saying, oh, yeah, well, that's what the Supreme Court says. Well, we're going to have to have a response to the Supreme Court. We're going to actually pass laws that fly in the face of the Supreme Court decisions. It is the most bizarre thing, but it has changed the battlefield in gun rights from the legislative side, the legislative side to the litigation side, at least to some extent. Joining you right now is the Attorney General of the state of Montana and a leading Second Amendment advocate, as well as being a, a serious shooter, Austin Knutson. Hey, Austin, how you doing? I'm great, Tom. Thanks for having me on. First question, what you been shooting? Uh, I've been shooting a lot of stuff here lately. Uh, I actually just picked up an old three-screw Ruger Blackhawk in three fifty-seven that I've been cleaning up. Uh, it's it's a pre-transfer bar safety gun. Doctor um, piece I've been looking for and came across. So that's that's what I've been messing with here lately. Nice. Last year I picked up one of those in forty-one Magnum. Same deal. I'm just having a ball with that. Yeah, I, I love old revolvers. I love old lever guns. That's, that's kind of what I cut my teeth on. So usually I'm I'm tinkering with something like that or casting bullets for that. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's like, okay, you're not like a, a guy that pretends to like guns just for the campaign posters. You're out there doing it even if there's nobody watching. That's uh, 100% true. I, I'm not a guy who watches football on Sunday. I'm usually at my workbench mounting a scope or, or loading something. Well, and in your spare time, you're the attorney general of the state of Montana. And you're kind of in the lead. There's a whole bunch of attorneys general for various states that are really getting involved with a number of the lawsuits that are taking place around the country, I guess, through filing amicus briefs. Would that be what you're doing? You know, sometimes we're filing amicus briefs. And sometimes we're actually filing lawsuits on, on our own state's behalf. And, and okay. my office has been particularly busy with that. So, yeah, there's, there's a lot of that going on. What's Okay, what's going on? I kind of set it up and said, look, we've got this crazy flurry of activity after we had the Bruin decision. And I mean, literally, I've never seen anything like what's going on here. Can you kind of give us people an overview? Because not everybody is geeky about this as you and I are. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, the, the Bruin decision, a great decision out of, out of the U.S. Supreme Court. Uh, we, we finally got some, some decisions from the Supreme Court saying that, yeah, there is an individual right to firearm ownership guaranteed by the Second Amendment. That sounds axiomatic to people of, of, of the gun, Tom, but, mm -hmm. I mean, as you know, that's never actually been ruled on by the U.S. Supreme Court until just very recently. Um, right. The problem with the Bruin decision, and, and it's not a problem, it's just it's, it's, it, it's a nuance. 
that decision said basically that you had to put it into historical context. Well, I mean, that, that's opened the door for a lot of these liberal judges and, and frankly, for a lot of these plaintiffs' attorneys to come in and file lawsuits and, and trying to claim that, that, you know, our state gun control regime can withstand federal scrutiny. It, it, it can withstand the U.S. Constitution because, that, because of its historical context. Now, that's nonsense. But that's, that's kind of the world we're in right now as far as Second Amendment litigation goes. Everyone's, everyone's trying to bring, bring lawsuits, or, or when, when their gun control laws are challenged, that's, that's the avenue that they're taking. I'm just looking at all of this and wondering, is the thinking on the part of the people who are filing these both lawsuits and also the legislators and the legislation legislatures who are passing these laws just saying, well, we understand what the Supreme Court says, that we can't do this, but we really want it, and we're going to just keep trying anyway. That is a hundred percent what's going on when you look at when you look at state legislatures like in like California, like in Colorado, like in Washington State. That is a hundred percent what it is. Uh, they they're just flagrantly thumbing their nose at at the Supreme Court, um, and 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 you're seeing them just continue down this hard left progressive turn on gun control. It's frustrating for for me. Um, you know what. I, I see the actions that the ATF is taking. Like that, that's where I've been really active, and that's where my office has, has filed a couple of different lawsuits. Whether it's on the on, on the eighty percent lower rule, right. whether it's on the pistol brace rule, um, when you see the ATF taking such expansive, breathtaking rulemaking authority, I mean, basically putting trying to change federal law. And and what's frustrating for me is they're doing that because they know the U.S. Congress won't do it. Uh, this this president. Uh, Chuck Schumer, they know they don't have the votes to go to Congress and change the law right. and pass gun control like they would like. Uh, you've got senators like Joe Manchin uh, and even Montana's John Tester, who happens to be up for re-election, and he knows he's got to get re-elected in Montana. They're, they're not going to pass this stuff. They're not going to vote for this kind of stuff. Uh, a, a, a Republican House of Representatives is not going to support this stuff. Right. So what are they doing? They're trying to shove this stuff through the administrative state. They're trying to do it by rule changing long-standing rule and, and law and, and basically trying to grab for themselves lawmaking authority. Well, the ATF doesn't get to make law. They get well, to enforce law. And they're doing it by, by virtue of redefining things. And they're saying, okay, we're now going to say that a bump stock is a machine gun. You know, we're going to say that this uh, pistol brace, arm brace, which we said for a decade was legal, is now suddenly illegal, and all of those that you have are illegal. No law was ever passed, and it takes Congress to pass the law to define a definition of what a machine gun is, and actually to define all these different guns. And they're saying, yeah, we know that Congress isn't going to do that, and we think we can get away with it, or at the very least, we're going to try it and see what happens. Whether it's that, uh, which which is what we're challenging, and I'm, you know, Tom, I'm, I'm quite Nothing's for sure, right? But I, I'm confident that we're going to get stays on those. Uh, we've got a really important argument this coming week on Thursday in the Eighth Circuit on the 80% lower rule. Uh, that's going to be argued by one of my solicitors out of my office. Mm. Uh, very important case. Um, 
But, you know, we, we, we see this in the industry, too. And, and this is another real frustration for me is that when, when the ATF can't do what they want and when the Congress can't do what they want, well, what, what, what do these liberals do? They run to their buddies in big business, and they try to put pressure on them through big business to do, to do these gun control schemes that, that they can't get the horsepower to do in Congress. And we've seen that, whether it's through the, 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 the Visa MasterCard, uh, the, the major credit card, merchant category coding, uh, whether it's through environmental social governance on banks. You know, I don't know what you hear, but even here in Montana, we've got a pretty thriving gun industry in the state. And I'm getting contacted by more and more of these business owners, whether they're a brick-and-mortar gun shop, whether they're a wholesaler, whether they're a retailer working in the firearm space. They're calling my office saying, hey, Austin, I can't get financing. I can't get anyone to process credit card payments for me. I'm being turned down for insurance on my brick-and-mortar building just because I'm in the gun industry. Uh, this is staggering, and, and it's flagrantly illegal. Um, and, and that's why you're seeing um, offices like mine and a lot of my, my colleagues around the, around the country pushing back on, on, these, on these businesses and investigating these businesses. And you know what? It's working. Uh, you probably saw just a couple of days ago, we got Visa and MasterCard to back down yes. from their scheme, their and, plan to track gun purchases. And discover. They, they all backed off of it. You know, I think, honestly, they don't want to do that. They get pushed into it. And I, I want people to understand, and I know you know this, these banks and financial institutions don't make these decisions on their own. They are being called on by people in the gun ban lobby at the highest levels, as well as Congress people who have issued threatening letters from members of Congress saying, if you don't do this, then Congress will have to investigate you. And they're going, well, I guess we better do this because we just want to stay in business. Yeah, well, and, and whether, it's, whether it's the credit card companies, and, and again, I, I, I've talked to those companies I, and I think what you're saying is exactly right. They got buffaloed into this. They got bullied into it. Uh, this is not something that they wanted to do. It's not something they wanted the attention. Now, mm-hmm. I'm happy to throw the attention on them. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't care what you wanted to do. You did it. Right. Actions have consequences, and, and now we're, you know, we're going to hold you to account for that. And, you know, for right now, they've made the right decision. I think they should just completely abandon this, this, this scheme. They haven't quite gone that far yet. But let's talk about FedEx and UPS. I mean, there's another one. Okay, just hold on to that thought for a second. I'll take my quick break here. We'll talk about FedEx and UPS and what they're doing, how difficult they're making it to do business. We're talking with Austin Knudsen. He is the Attorney General for the state of Montana and is quickly becoming a leader in the Second Amendment battle nationally. Our number is 866-TALK-GUN. We'll be right back. From plinking and competition to home or personal defense, the Ruger PC Carbine, chambered in both 9mm and 40 SW, offers interchangeable magwells for use with both Ruger and Glock magazines. The PC Carbine features a light, crisp trigger pull, easy takedown action, and a reversible mag release and charging handle for right or left handed control. Available in 17 round or 10 round options. Find your PC Carbine at Ruger.com. It's time for the March Radness Giveaway at guntalk.com slash win. Enter now through April 1st. One grand prize winner gets the Ruger SFAR chambered in 308 Winchester, a true small frame MSR under seven pounds, plus a Meprolite Mepro True Vision, the ultimate red dot sight. 
visit guntalk.com slash win. That's guntalk.com slash win. Void where restricted. Meet the P322, Sig Sauer's first U.S. designed and manufactured 22 pistol, offering 20 plus one round capacity, more than any other compact 22 on the market. The SIG P322 is optics ready and features a thread adapter, a single action trigger with interchangeable shoes, and fully adjustable fiber optic sights. Compact and comfortable. Check out the SIG P322 today at SIGSauer.com. All right, we're talking with Austin Knutson, Attorney General for the state of Montana. Austin, when we were heading to the break there, you were kind of expanding this because what we're really talking about is a, a fully coordinated effort from the gun ban lobby to go to industries that can impact firearm sales, ownership, distribution, repair, shipping, everything else, financing of gun stores, of gun companies, uh, can't get loans, can't uh, have a bank account, can't process credit card uh, charges. And now we have FedEx and UPS. Talk about what they've been doing. Yeah, well, I mean, and you teed this up pretty well, but what are we talking about? We're talking about the gun lobby is not able to get what they want done in, in the Congress. So what do they do? They run to, to their liberal senators and, and a handful of, of, of screaming lobbyists, and, and they put pressure on the industry. And so this gets us to FedEx and UPS. A few months ago, FedEx and UPS, very quietly, but um, very, very, in, in the firearms industry, very loudly, changed their shipping policy for firearms retailers. Uh, now, this might not sound like a big deal until, until we start looking at the fact that these companies basically changed the same policy at the exact same time and, and implemented new requirements on firearms retailers, basically re requiring them to open their books to FedEx and UPS at any time for inspection, requiring these businesses to keep a log. Mm -hmm. I mean, let, let's call this what it is. This, this was going to be a backdoor way for FedEx and UPS to hand the ATF a list of everybody who's purchased a gun and shipped it through UPS or FedEx. Because it's illegal for the federal government to compile that list. Correct. Correct. The ATF is not allowed to keep a registry. They know that. So what are they doing? They're trying to pr pressure business into doing it for them. There's mm -hmm. no other reason to do this. Okay. The problem with this is they, these companies, I mean, this looks like collusion. Uh, they, they, they both got really uncomfortable when I called them to the carpet on this. I've, I've had conversations with both of these companies now. Mm -hmm. uh, they did, definitely did not like the attention that, that my office threw on them. Um, and, and you know what? We're making some headway. They're, they're both coming to the table. I'm not going to say we've got this fixed yet, um, but we've had, a, we've had a number of meetings with both UPS and FedEx leadership. Um, I, again, I kind of think this was like Visa and MasterCard. I think they kind of got caught with their pants down here and didn't really understand the hornet's nest they were kicking here, and now they don't like the attention they're getting for it. Well, and I made it very clear. I mean, let's go ahead. And they did, they did one other thing in conjunction with this that made it possible for them to pull this thing off, which is they said, and we will not accept firearms from individuals to ship back to FFLs or to manufacturers, period. We always could send our guns to an FFL or to a manufacturer for repair. Now they're saying, no, 
It's got to go from an FFL to an FFL. And by doing that, they guarantee that all gun movements are trackable. Absolutely. Trackable. They can, they can keep track of it. Uh, I mean, and, and it, this is also just kind of scary from, from a security standpoint. I mean, it used to be, uh, you know, you, you could ship a firearm through FedEx and it didn't, it wasn't stamped on the side of the box. Hey, this is a Smith and Wesson revolver. Please steal mm-hmm. me. And, and and now we're even seeing some some of these some of these internal rules from FedEx and UPS that that looking like they're going to change that. Uh, so I mean, just from a theft standpoint, it seems to me like this is a really bad idea from UPS and FedEx. Uh, but I mean, like I said, they're they're coming to the table. Uh, they have not liked the attention that this has drawn to them. Uh, they have not liked being put in the crosshairs, not just by my office, but look, I mean, state legislatures are also stepping up. We've had a number of states, like Montana, uh, but they've stepped up and, and are, are moving legislation through their state legislatures saying, hey, you discriminate against the firearms industry, whether it's in finance, whether it's in credit, whether it's in insurance, whether it's in shipping, and we're going to cut you off from the state financial markets. Right, and I know NSSF has been very much behind that, the National Student Sports Foundation, pushing the FIND Act in a number of states where they say, okay, if you can't certify for us that you will deal fairly and completely with people in the firearms industry, then we will not allow you to do business with the state, which means, oh, retirement programs, investments, and all the rest of it. And it represents hundreds of millions of dollars in lost revenue to some of these companies. Yeah, I mean, that might not mean much in a little state like Montana. You know, our, our bond market and our, our, our retirement system isn't that big. But when you start talking about states like Texas, right. like states like Florida, uh, and, and we we start banding together these multiple states like this, that starts having a, a real effect on these industries and, and on these on these businesses, and they start getting very uncomfortable with this. Let me uh, let me and, and let so me this, ask you. I got to ask you back. a lawyer lawyer question for you. When does collusion move over into conspiracy? Well, that's an investigation question, and and I think that's kind of where we are here. Depending depending on the next couple of weeks, I would say. Is going to is going to determine whether we launch a full scale investigation. Uh, at this point, in my office, I, I've I have told both FedEx and UPS, I, I've I've made a formal request that they preserve documents, which is kind of a precursor. You know, right. I, I I haven't fired off a full subpoena yet, uh, but I've told them, you know, we keep going down this road. You're going to have a full scale investigation by my office. So let's mm-hmm. just assume that's going to happen now. Preserve yeah. everything. Okay, because I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for it, on, and under our state unfair trade practices laws, I can do that. And, and um, to be clear, so uh, I think that's where we are. And to be clear, collusion is just getting together and working together. Conspiracy can and often is an actual crime in and of itself. Correct, correct, and that that takes us into a whole different area. I mean, it's it's one thing under civil law to be colluding and, and violating possible unfair trade practices or you know, uh, operating as kind of a shadow monopoly. But if we start talking about actual conspiracy, you know, then, then that, that changes the ballgame completely. Then we're talking about criminal statutes and, and criminal violations, and that's when this stuff gets serious. It seems to me, and I'm not, not trying to put on my big tinfoil you know, hat here, but as I'm watching what's happening with Twitter and Facebook and many, many, many government agencies working together with them to get them to do what the government is not allowed to do. It's actually more than that. It's prohibited from doing. 
I kind of see the same thing going on on the Second Amendment front. 100%. There, there's no question about that. And I mean, I, I've, I've been in a long-standing fight with YouTube now because, I mean, Tom, I'm, I'm probably no different than you and every other gun nut who's listening right now to your show. I spend a lot of time on YouTube watching gun videos. Right. You know, whether it's Honest Outlaw or, or Grand Thumb or whoever, there, there's lots of really good content out there on YouTube. Heck, if I'm just trying to figure out how to tear down my, my, my Ruger 1022 and put it back together correctly, there's probably a YouTube video for that. What we've seen is YouTube, and not just YouTube. I'm, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick on them in particular right now. Sure. We're certainly seeing this you know, on Twitter, on, on YouTube, Instagram. They've really cracked down and cut down on firearms content. And this is actually bringing up a really interesting constitutional question. You know, because it's easy for us, especially as conservatives, to go, well, you know, that's a private company. If they don't want that kind of content on their private platform, by God, that should be their right. Well, now, hang on a minute. The wrinkle there is that these platforms really have kind of turned into the town square at this point in in our republic. Right. The best way to communicate with people is not to stand in a soapbox in the middle of town square anymore. It's to put up a video on YouTube. Or, or, or a post on Facebook or Twitter. And so when you've got those companies actively, openly, hostily removing a certain type of content that is you know, otherwise unrestricted, would, would be legal anywhere else, this is raising a really, really interesting constitutional question under the well, First Amendment. Right. And I, and I wish we had more time. We'll come back and talk about and what happens if we find out that it was actually government agencies encouraging them to do that, to shut down free speech. Oh, gee, like Twitter's doing right now. Austin Knudsen, we never have enough time. we got to get together and shoot sometime. We do. That would be great. I would love that. Look, thank you for what you're doing. Please keep us posted what you're up to and let us know if there's any way we can help, okay? All right. Shoot straight, Tom. Good talking to you. All right. You too. Take care. There's a lawyer you can get behind. 866-TALK-GUN. I'm Tom Gresham. All right. We're back. 866-TALK-GUN and open lines right now. Looking for range reports or thoughts about home defense guns. Shotgun, rifle, pistol. What's your choice? Or maybe a combination thereof. And it's like we used to say. And, um... Show your work. Explain your thinking behind it. Why do you have one versus the other? Or do you have any of them for home defense? The other thing I'd like for you to think about, and I just throw this out because I think we all get caught up with our lives and we're very busy and we have a lot of things going on. And a lot of times I think we don't go into much depth when it comes to our safety and security on more of a holistic, love that word, holistic uh, level of just being safer. And that may not include or involve firearms. And yes, if we're gun people, we're always thinking about our, our guns and how we can use them or if we have to use them, what would be the best way? Can I throw out some thoughts here about maybe making yourself safer regardless of whether firearms are involved? situational awareness, just being aware of what's going on around you at all times. You can't prepare for bad things 
if you aren't watching for bad things. You can't set yourself up for financial security and peace unless you are watching for threats on the financial side of things. You can't react quickly, effectively, responsibly, and safely to an assault or a threat unless you can see it. The sooner you can see it, the further away you can see it, the better off you are. It involves, and here's the hard part, okay? I mean, here's the reality. Here's the hard part of the whole thing. It involves changing how you live. It involves, and it requires changing how you think. And down to the very last part of it, it involves and requires you to change who you are. And as we know, most people don't want to change anything about themselves. Who they are, how they think about themselves, what they do, where they spend their money, what they spend their time on, it'll all be fine. Well, of course, it's not. Not going to be all fine. If you don't prepare yourself, if you aren't aware, if you haven't thought about these things, then whatever happens is going to happen to you, and you will have nothing to do with it. You will have nothing to say about it. You will have no way to respond to it effectively. What do I mean specifically about that? It means, decide. first of all, you have to decide this is important. And a lot of people have thought about it on a very shallow level and said, yeah, that may be important, but I'm just not willing to do anything about it. That's not wrong for them. I think it's foolish, but it's not wrong because if you say, okay, I've looked at that and I have decided I don't want to do that. I don't want to have a gun. I don't want to carry a gun. I don't want to take a class in self-defense. I don't want to start looking around when I'm driving and look for threats. I don't want to start stopping far enough back from the car in front of me so I can see the rubber tires where they touch the pavement of the car in front of me so that I have enough room to pull around them if something bad happens and I need to escape. I'm not willing to do that. I don't like the way it makes me feel. I don't like the way it makes me think. It makes me scared to be in the world. I would rather pretend the world is just fine and I'll be okay. However, if that's not you, and if you don't like that image of you, you wouldn't want that put on you, then you have to do something about it. You have to start making very specific, detailed actions. You have to start changing the way... Where do you sit in a restaurant? Can you see the front door? When you go in, do you know where the exits are? Do you know or have you thought about, have you shared with your family, one of the exits is through the kitchen? Because there's always a way that food is brought into the kitchen, and that means you can escape that way. Are you willing to tell your family, I see something going on up front I don't like. Everybody stand up. We're leaving right now through the back door. Yeah, but we haven't paid the bill. I'll come back later and deal with that. Get up right now and follow me. Or you guys go ahead of me. I will be the last one out because I'm protecting your six as you go out. Paranoid or prepared? Kind of depends. If it happens to you, maybe you're prepared. If it doesn't happen to you, people will think of you as paranoid. You know what? And and that's an interesting point. 
part of this whole thing is being able, not just willing, but being able to withstand people you know thinking that you are paranoid. If you are a prepper in any form or fashion, people will say, oh, that's just crazy. Why would you do that? What do you mean you have three months of food on hand? What do you mean you keep water on hand? What do you mean you have a generator in case the power goes out? What do you mean you have flashlights in your house and fire extinguishers, for heaven's sake? That's what we have the fire department for. The reality is to get yourself into a safer posture, to get you into a place where you have enhanced and increased the safety for yourself and your family, you have to give it some thought. One of the best ways to do that is to get training. Another way is if you can't go take the training and you know, go online, go to our website, go to Gun Talk, go to First Person Offender, look at all the videos we've done, and you will say, wow, I never thought of that. Yes, that's the whole idea, is to get you to start thinking about these things and get you to start taking action. Once you figure it all out and you get through that first, oh, gee, I don't know if I can do this, and you start doing it, it's a very comfortable place to be. You start to become comfortable in your own skin. You start to become very, you feel good about the fact that you are taking care of yourself and your family. At least that's the journey. How you get started, I don't know. How did you get started? Have you started that? What are the barriers that are stopping you from doing it? Just curious. And if, look, if you want to talk about it, give me a holler. We will work on it and I can help you get started. We'll kind of work our way through this thing. I will do a safety makeover for you right here. 866-TALK-GUN. Put the hot new 350 Legend cartridge in a big ass revolver, and you're ready for deer, bear, hog, antelope, and more. Built on the rugged Smith & Wesson X-Frame, it's not five shots, not six shots. It's a seven-shot revolver made for a hunting. The 7.5-inch ported barrel tames recoil, all stainless steel. Your Smith & Wesson 350 revolver is ready. Drool-worthy at smith-wesson.com. It's time for the March Radness Giveaway at guntalk.com slash win. Enter now through April 1st. One grand prize winner gets the Ruger SFAR chambered in 308 Winchester, a true small frame MSR under 7 pounds, plus a Meprolite Mepro True Vision, the ultimate red dot sight. Visit guntalk.com slash win. That's guntalk.com slash win. Void where restricted. Mossberg launches the Patriot LR Tactical, a long-range bolt-action rifle series designed to achieve the highest levels of accuracy in a customizable package. The Patriot LR Tactical comes in three calibers and the new adjustable MDT stock. The Patriot LR Tactical features a patented LBA adjustable trigger, 20 MOA Picatinny rail, and an oversized bolt handle. For more, go to Mossberg.com. All right, we're going to bounce all over the place, taking some calls right now. Line two, Nick's with us out of Illinois. Hey, Nick, let's talk about holsters. 
Hey, Tom, how you doing? Um, so, last week you uh, mentioned on your show that it is not a good idea to keep your pistol inside of the holster when it's not actively on your hip. If there's leather. Right, if it's leather, right. 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 So I recently got a uh, new leather holster from a company called High Noon out of Florida, mm-hmm. and they have the option to line or unline your holster, right? So it's got a, it's got a, a synthetic liner on the inside of the holster. So I'm wondering what your thoughts are on if it's okay to keep the uh, gun in the holster with a lining. Yeah. I don't know what the liner would be. I guess, uh, let's see, you're in Illinois. Uh, yep. It has, it's been my experience that Illinois can be pretty humid at times. And yeah, in the thing, summer, yeah. Yeah, the thing I, about leather is leather is like a sponge, and it mm. soaks up humidity, and now it is moist, and now it's close to your gun. I guess what I would offer is, and look, I'm as guilty as anybody of, you know, I got my gun in the holster, and I'll just put the whole thing away, and then I have to remind myself, look, I just go out and buy a bunch of inexpensive uh, handgun you know those little cloth bags, basically? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and you could get them cheap. I mean, you get them online or get them at a store. Buy a dozen at a time. Take the gun out of that. Just slip it in the little uh, the cloth or nylon or cordura bag and keep it in there. Wipe it down before you put it in. And then when you're ready to go, take it back out, put it in the holster. It's one extra step, and it's one more thing to get. But I can just tell you from experience, one of the worst feelings you can have as a gun person is to go get your gun and pull it out of the holster and see rust spots on it. Uh-huh. Yep. Okay. I totally hear you. So, I mean, that, that's all I got on that. I don't know if the synthetic lining would help with that. I would, my gut feeling says just why take the chance? Yeah, right. I'll probably just get a uh, Kydex holster for the nightstand when, I, when I'm not carrying it. Yep. You know, it's funny. That's what I do. I have a Kydex holster. It's my gun's there because I don't want my gun out where... The trigger guard is exposed, so it's in the right. Kydex holster exactly. on the nightstand. So that that is exactly what I do. Exactly. Right. Okay. All right. Thanks, thanks, Dick. Appreciate the call, sir. Steve, Omaha, Nebraska on four. Home defense. Let's talk about it. Yes. Uh, we're, there's this linear learning curve, and we're all at different places on this thing. Yes. And I want to thank you for the, the all the stuff, you know, the information that you've either brought to us through your guests or you taught it to us through, you know, uh, uh, Ryan's videos or whatever. And mm-hmm. so I'm checking in for my continuing education every Sunday when I <laughs> listen to the show. So how can thank I, how, you. How can I help you today? Doing. What can we talk about today? Okay. So this didn't come quickly. This, this came through this education of, uh, learning that the pistol may not be as good as uh, we think it is. Mm-hmm. And then the shotgun was my next choice. And now I've uh, arrived that my suppressed AR 300 blackout is going to penetrate enough, but not over travel. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be quieter and it's shorter and I'm able to maneuver in and out. And yes, I go through the door with the barrel pointed down. So like all it. of those things I've learned from you or uh, Pinkus over at uh, yeah. <laughs> Defense Network over there. Like so it. 
I mean, okay. let me, you're let me teaching throw us All right, master's let me give you, level self-defense. Thank you for that. Let, let me give you another homework assignment then, okay? All right, sir. Take that uh, AR, unload it. You got light on it? I do. Good. All right, at night, walk your way through your house with everything dark using your light. And keep the light pointed down at a 45-degree angle. You'll find that you can see everything you need to see all the way through the room with the light on. But work on turning the light on and then turning it off. And then move. Turn it on, look around, turn it off, and then move. You know your house already. So you have a big advantage, but don't keep it on all the time. Now you start to look around and go, where could somebody hide? Behind the couch, behind the this, how do I handle that? And then when you start to get into upper-level thinking about this, you think, what if I put a mirror on that wall over there? Would that allow me to see back behind the couch? Huh. What if I had a shiny vase in a lamp that I put over there, this lamp that's very highly reflective, and I know to look in that, and it lets me see down the hallway before I have to stick my head down there? Mm-hmm. Now we're working at graduate level. Exactly. So, so thoughtful that we've, well, <clears throat> and those, those things where you know there's uh, a closet full of coats, I don't, you know, it's not likely to, to make it all the way through the back side of that closet. But it is at the bottom of the stairs, and so it's an excellent backstop. There you go. Or whatever might pass through. Right. Or if you think it's a place where you, it's more likely to be shooting, you can put a bookcase there, a small bookcase, and fill it full of books. Those catch bullets really well as well. That's right. That's right. There you go. I find myself uh, uh, trying not, you know, when you pull up to a stoplight, I, I'm, I'm, I try to be three, at least 300 degrees aware. You can't be 360. No, but you you've got to be as much as possible. And, uh, you know, my friends will say, hey, you got a pocket knife. You got a flashlight. Here, come over here. Because <laughs> they know I'm prepared. There you go. I appreciate the call. You take care. Here's another quick tip for you. Adjust your side view mirrors differently from what your diuretics instructor told you to do. If you can see the sides of your car with either of your side view mirrors, they are wrong. Move them further out and further out and further out so you cannot see your car in your side view mirrors. That way, you don't have to turn your head to the side, look over your shoulder to see if there's traffic. You you glance to the left and you can see what's in the other lane behind you, and even to the side of it, you glance to the right, you just look at the side view mirror, you have your rear view mirror. You should not see the same thing in your rear view mirror as you see in your side view mirror. That's wasted situational awareness. If you do this, you don't need the blind spot light and beeper coming on. You already are aware. Just another thing to put in your bag of tools. you're having a conversation with somebody who really is not interested in having a conversation with you just wants to shut you down and not hear anything you want to say well part of it would be how do they address you and people like you people like us the terms are being used well we got a call today you facet fascist without even knowing what a fascist is of course but fascist uh extremists uh, deplorables. <laughs> and then, of course, the new deplorable is MAGA, right? If you believe in making America great again, whether or not you support Trump, it's just like it is the ultimate dismissive term. 
And so in his most recent speech, President Biden said MAGA Republican, I don't know, a dozen, two dozen times, something. It's the ultimate in dismissiveness, extremist. And then, of course, now like on college campuses, university campuses, Stanford Law School just shouts down a judge who sits on the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals, shouts him down, won't let him speak after he was invited there to speak. And then this so-called administrator is called up to help with the situation. And then she castigates the judge for six minutes. Wait for it. Using prepared statements that are already printed. So she was already in on the setup to go basically shut him down and not let him speak to embarrass him because he's conservative. No free speech for your side. Free speech for our side. Yeah, it doesn't really work that way. If you're not in this fight, I'm sorry. Shame on you. You've got to be involved in this. Well, it's ugly. Well, it's messy. It's uncomfortable. It makes me... Yeah, I get it. I get it. Some of those people are just not not nice. And they're not easy to deal with. I get that. And you'd rather not. So find another way. Write a check. Help with the Second Amendment Foundation's efforts in the courts. You know, 100 bucks here, 100 bucks there. It really makes a difference. 866-TALK-GUN. Line 5, Randy's with us out of Oregon. Hey, Randy, i got about a minute. Dive into it. That's okay. That's enough time, I think. I just wanted to put in my two cents about uh, self-defense here at home. We use pistols for our self-defense, and my wife and I both have, uh, we're using the same pistol. We have it in a, a lockbox in our uh, nightstand. We practice getting into it quickly, and we run a light on it, and We've done a. It's and the reason we do that. It, it's small, um, concealable. Always, you know, it's just always there. We don't have to think about getting it out of the safe and mounting it close by the bedside or anything. Okay. And I know there's some bedside mounts for uh, ARs and shotguns as well. But we just haven't went that route yet. We we go pistols. Uh, and nothing in the world wrong with that. Most of the time, that's my choice. Most of the time, I'm just I got my pistol there and I'm able to grab that and do what I need to do if I have to. I hope not. Uh, mm-hmm. using, using other methods to try not to do that, lights, locks, you know, whatever else I have for security devices. I want to avoid the situation. But that's not a bad way to go, especially I like the fact that you have worked on and practiced getting that gun out of the case, and you, you've got a light on it, which is important for a self-defense gun. But more than anything else, honestly, Randy, you've thought about this. You've, thought, you've done the what-ifs, and that's the most important part. Yep. Yep. We've we've done a bunch of training over the years. We've probably got six, eight hundred hours of pistol training apiece on this. And we do night training and ongoing training. So, you know, a lot of what you talk about we've done, but I'm not saying I'm the best. We we always have to practice to get better. Amen. Look, I appreciate the call, sir. And yeah, you know, the other part of it is we're always, by definition, we are reacting to this stuff. The bad guys initiate it and we are reacting. So we're always behind. It's why I'm always talking about awareness, situational awareness. If you can see it coming, if you can see, oh, that doesn't look quite right. There's something weird going on over there. Let's pay attention to that. It helps you reduce the time it takes you to react. And that can make all the difference. When we come back, we'll actually be talking about some of the training we're doing right here at Range Ready Studios with noted celebrity trainer Chris Reno on our staff here. If you want to join us, 866-TALK-GUN. We're open lines. What are you shooting? Give me those range reports. Tom Gresham here. Be right back. 